This is Hans. And this is Heidi. And this is Parent Town. A podcast where we explore stories of parenting in hopes that they can connect us and just maybe make the world a little easier to understand. Welcome to Parent Town. This is the second mini podcast in our series on co-parenting. As we have stated before, Heidi and I are defining co-parenting as a situation where the people who are raising the children are not living together. In this podcast, we hear from a divorced father of two. This is his story. I'm the father of two children, a boy and a girl, or a girl first and then a boy. And I've been divorced for approximately three and a half years, about, yeah, three years now. And I guess the way I, this is obviously through a divorce. And so the situation was such that at the time of the divorce, um, when we were going through it, she had gotten representation and I had legal representation as well. And as transitioning out of the house, we were having a conversation as to what was that going to look like financially and, you know, property and and everything else, Lee, obviously we talked about the kids and what in loose terms we wanted. And I think that's the first time that I started thinking, well, of course I want to be with my, my children. And I think if you don't listen to that voice inside of you, you you abdicate and you relinquish so many of your your rights. And before you know it, you never see your kids because you think, oh, this is a gender assignment. Women should have kids, men should have nothing. Or at least they should just provide money so that the kids can be taken care of, quote unquote. And I think because I didn't come from that, I don't come from um, divorce, so my parents are still married. And I'm also not an American, meaning like I wasn't born and raised here. So I think my understanding culturally and socially as far as conditioning about matrimony and marriage and family, all those are notions that are very different to me. And that was exacerbated, I think, when I went through my divorce because I recognized and realized that the person who I was getting divorced from probably didn't know that about me, which I'm sure is also part of why we got divorced. (laughs) Yeah. But I think in hindsight now I'm like, oh, that that is Mm -hmm. an important thing. The Mm -hmm. way that you were raised or how you were raised around these things and what you think about kids or you know, things like that, all that stuff plays out. And so by the time we got to the conversation about co-parenting or what that was going to look like in terms of time, Mm. I never wavered on the fact that I wanted to be with my kids no matter where I was going to live. Now, because we were living in Minneapolis, I made the choice of moving to St. Paul, A, because I thought it would be healthier. I needed some space. Just the, it it did not need to uh, charge an emotion, already emotional situation uh, any more than what it was. So I, I, I felt that was a good move for me. And my kids went to school in St. Paul. So it was practical. It was good. It was healthy. Uh, those are, were my basic needs at the time. And then what I re- realized and recognized also is that when you change what your kids thought or knew and they start experiencing something different, you've got to really lay the groundwork as to what that might look like. And so when you go through a divorce, you don't know what that's going to look mm-hmm. like. And they're always going to make the assumption that you're going to come home or mm-hmm. that mom and you are together or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And there is this psychic break that happens when you have to tell them, well, no, actually, this is my new house and this is how we're going to do things. And when you're with me. And so I think co-parenting also meant that it meant like really getting a handle as to what this new life was going to be like. 
even though the other person is still there, they mm-hmm. really are absent in the sense of, of you know, the way that I do things now. And that really kind of brought to light how different I was as a father and as a parent, as a provider. So that's another layer of co-parenting that I thought, I don't know if, had I stayed married or if I had stayed in a traditional marriage without really mining those questions with my partner that I would be here right now in terms of like, you know, being able to function mm-hmm. and feel confident about my ability as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a parent, never mm-hmm. mind as a dad, never mind as a provider, like as a parent mm-hmm. to have these conversations. So that was an unintended consequence of being divorced, which I think is a positive for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. You know? Oh, and that kind of brings me to my second question, um, which you started, you started talking about is what, what is working with this? I think what is working is, uh, (laughs) I'm going to say this word, normalcy, Mm. uh, meaning that I'm aware of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily dependent on anybody else's schedule or ability or lack thereof. Um, But that also means I have a lot of responsibility in terms of thinking things through. And you can... You have the benefit of making that assumption when you have somebody else in your life. Mm-hmm. But I think I reclaimed a lot of that. And again, I don't think it's because I'm a man and it's my job to figure it out. I just think that this is the charge that I have with these two kids. And this is the charge of figuring out what my work looks like. And because I have a, a non-traditional kind of work, I, I'm very aware that my flexibility has to be used somehow. Mm. And I put it in service of my family first. So those are the things that um, work for me. Okay. Just being really aware of how how to navigate, you know, my my time and my space. Do you think out of out of that learning process, what is the biggest surprise that's come out of that? The biggest surprise is that the ah um, oh gosh, that money never reflects the reality Mm. and uh, let me be specific in a couple of ways number one i pay child support Mm -hmm. but i have the same amount of time 50 50 and so because those resources financially taken away from me they're things that i'm whether i want to or not i'm unable to do and i it never comes full circle in terms of like remuneration or appreciation i mean none of like you cannot there's such a a reality of you could spend $2,000 a month on child support and it won't translate that your kids like you or don't like you any more or less. It's what you do with your time that matters. And so I've realized that it's a very slippery slope. You can, some, for some individuals, you can think, well, I'm paying child support so I don't have to be as responsible. That, that mm. you can, it mm-hmm. kind of absolves you of responsibility because mm. you can associate a figure with a, a person at a time, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and I've I've never quite understood that. It, it's still it's absolutely confusing to me now, but I'm not absent from my the lives of my children, and so putting a value on that is insane to me. Yeah. So that that that's my first point. The second point is I'm really aware that time is limited, uh, so. I can't equate it to money. I have to equate it to experience. I have to equate it to to something tangible that I'm doing with it. And I think co-parenting and having the experience of getting divorced and having that, like, works. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can tell you today what time I got to go pick up my kids and what, you know, I know what's happening and the expectation of that. Absolutely. You know. uh, and can you kind of revisit, even before the interview, you were starting to kind of allude into this idea of, 
um, how your kids are kind of able to... I'm going to back it up. Mm -hmm. So the biases of what society might put on parents or kids who are a product of the co-parenting. And before the interview, again, we were kind of alluding to your kids kind of being able to rise to this beautiful occasion and adapt to this um, navigation and maybe what a positive life skill and a tool that can look like. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And, you know, I don't attribute it to any genius thing that I I figured out. But the first thing I recognized was that the dream was over. Like this Disney idea that you're going to meet your your princess or your king or whatever you want. And then you're going to live happily ever after. We're going to have kids and everybody's going to be great. And there's never going to be any war. And the, the reality is when you go through a divorce and it's something as traumatic as that, you're shattering the expectation. And so what you're left with is trying to figure out, well, wait a minute, what what is really going to be like and what what do I want it to look like more importantly and what am I able to just the disconnect between the reality and the fantasy sure. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think for a lot of men they 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 they, they walk around wounded and their egos mm. are, are are shattered and they want to blame somebody or something for their circumstance and that's okay if that indeed is this the sense that you have emotionally but it's not okay rationally Right. Because what happens is you carry that to your kids and then they start thinking that I've got to find somebody to blame for what my circumstance. And the reality of it is you have every opportunity to improve yourself and improve their station in life by your actions. And so I try to be very mindful that I that I don't feed into a narrative that A, it's your mom's fault. B, I would if I was there. Or what is happening over there versus over here? I mean, you can be very adversarial and confrontational unintentionally because you're still, you're trying to reconcile the death of Disney. For me, and my kids in particular, I've tried to lead by example and show them that actually you have benefits of perspective. You are able to see how two individuals have two very separate and distinct ways of operating in the world. And I think culturally also, it kind of resonates a little bit more because I mean, from my background, I wasn't raised in the States. So for me, I do bring in, whether it's foreign language, whether it's just food, whether it's just a a way of listening to things or my attention to literature versus, you know, visual media, whatever it is that they're seeing in my home, Uh I know that they're like, there's not just one way of doing it. And I think I've invited those kind of questions. Like, well, why do you do that? I'm like, well, it's because, you know, and it leads to a whole narrative about family, about growth, about, uh, honestly, the uncertainty, unpredictability of life. You just, Mm -hmm. you don't really know what's going to happen. The best thing you can do is be present, be aware, and really, really work hard at articulating what you wish and what you want to see happen. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, literally making the work of, okay, am I putting myself in a position for that to happen, mm-hmm. for success to happen? And what does that mean anyway? Such a gift you can give them. I know somebody uh, had mentioned this sort of form and function, the yeah. form of a family and the function of a family. Yeah. And about how, you know, even in today's society, we still kind of expect that there's a mom and a dad. You know, you can have two people together who are married, who are raising kids and have just the opposite of what you were talking about and doing great damage to a child in whatever way they 
They are just by being together. I'm saying hallelujah and amen to what you're saying because I, yeah. I agree with you. People, for whatever reason, stay in situations and un they're, they're making it toxic and dysfunctional. And I think for me, because I went through, uh, again, a process where I was going through a divorce legally and then emotionally, I was like, I'm reinventing myself in terms of my circumstance. I didn't want dysfunction. And so co-parenting ultimately meant that I needed to be by myself doing mm. it. And it had to be on my terms in terms of my ability or lack thereof. And it also required a level of honesty and trust for myself. Mm -hmm. And it seems pretty uh, elementary that it only starts with you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and this is probably harks back to the thing about blaming others because it is easier to say, well, you know, if I, if I didn't have to do this, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Absolutely. But the, the fact of the matter is I, I didn't want this function for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I can stand in the gap and say that requires some honesty. That requires some truth. And if it's not reflected in my house, then where are they going to get it from? They're yeah. going to seek it somewhere. But what would you like people to know about maybe some of the biases that people put on people that are co-parenting? Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of projection of fear mm. you know well I don't want that for me so I can't be around that person because they've made some choices that got them to that point no honestly really? that, yeah okay. I think and that supersedes whatever professional achievement it's an irrational thought I know even coming from my mouth but the sense that you're being ostracized or judged and constantly kind of having to prove yourself to people sure. I think that's a stigma that is around divorce and sure. And for men, it is also, well, what did you do? The idea that, yes, yeah. that somehow you did something wrong and that you should live in that past and carry it like a scarlet letter forever to be <laughs> marked. Like, honestly, and I think because of my cultural baggage and just my experience in life and obviously through, through my divorce, I was like, people are much more complicated than that. The, the person that you think has it all figured out is struggling in ways that you have no idea. And so the assumption somehow that the stigma kind of lets us off. If I could stigmatize you, then it's, I'm off the hook. Then I'm okay. And that's mm. really odd. It is a projection mm -hmm. of my own fear on you. And then I'm okay, right? And unwittingly, I've, I've said like, you know, divorce, and I say this in, in, in sometimes mixed company, I say, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I, I, you just see them kind of like figuring like, well, no, divorce is bad and it destroys families and people become this and that. And no. That is that is true. It does happen, but individually, it it is one of the best things that can happen if you're you're able to stand in the gap and have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And if you live in the generalities of the stigma, then you you I think people people will look at you and you know they'll they'll think well you can't probably buy a house or do as much as I can because I have a partner or I don't have that negative on mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. life report right. like as if yeah. it's a bad thing. Right. Right. Um, and I think the reality of now, there's so many types of families and so many oh, types absolutely. that the law hasn't caught up to reflect that for men or women. Yes. Sometimes when you're paying, and, and I'm going to be specific, I think my experience has been because you sometimes people pay child support or don't or they're not getting it, that's where the focus becomes about the material, about the money, about the lack thereof. And then it becomes, it becomes adversarial and it becomes... A stigma. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, I wish the laws were reflected a little bit more what co-parenting for me has become. Yeah, because yeah, I don't have contact with with my ex. But if it's about the kids, right. we have 
I've learned how to have short, succinct, specific conversations, you know, not kind of like flowery, kind of romantic, like, I wish we could have done this when we were married. Sure. That's not real. <laughs> that is not real. such a good point though I think that this is why it's so nice to have like that male perspective uh, because you're coming to this with not only a different story but just that already what you see through your lens is important I mean is there anything else I haven't asked you would like to add sure I think co-parenting and being in a relationship is difficult so I'm currently dating someone who I'm madly in love with and I see a lot of good in but at the same time i have to constantly and i don't know if the word is negotiate but i just have to have a sense of awareness that i have many plates flying and one of them the biggest one is if my kids don't work in this scenario then i as an adult cannot be in this emotional circumstance of being committed to somebody because i'm neglecting an obligation i'm neglecting myself actually mm. And I'm also saying that I don't value that mm. because I'm willing to give that up for this relationship. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't say, report any other way that it's not been the case at all. Mm. But the learning curve of having those conversations and saying like, well, I can't do this because I have this or X, Y, Z, and these are the considerations, requires a certain level of individual. And again, in my co-parenting experience, like I don't bring my relationship into my parenting with my ex or mm -hmm. I just don't complicate things mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest thing I think about being in a relationship if you're co-parenting or not to be have clarity it's easier said than done obviously but it just requires a level of stillness and really seeing what is a dysfunctional trigger that makes me react we all have those moments when it's like your pride or something in you says, well, I'm not going back to that, so I'm going to do everything to buttress my argument so that it doesn't happen. Absolutely. And the reality of it is you don't have to fight that battle sometimes. Sometimes it, it reveals itself and you're like, that's what that is. Yeah. Okay, so my life here as an adult yeah. is yeah. like this, and my life here as, an, as a parent looks like this, and my life with my ex or but that co-parenting piece of negotiating schools and negotiating whatever it is that you're going to have that still connects you mm -hmm. is that. And yeah. I think... That's a stigma. People just don't recognize that you can have those conversations. Um, so it's, it, I think that's a little bit more challenging. This is the biggest surprise I, I think I've, I've had this year. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Parent Town. Make sure to like us on Facebook, Parent Town Podcast, and check for our website and blog coming soon. Next week is number three in our series on co-parenting. We'll hear from an individual who works as a case manager for Hennepin County Co-Parenting Court. Catch you next time.